series, what I, what I, which I called the Corner Post Christian Life. The Corner Post Christian Life. And we learned, learned about three essentials. Remember what they were? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Well, here's the deal. Through my times laying on my back all week, um, and, and, and trust me, I didn't do as much as my wife did. She had to take care of my daughter and I. And uh, she thinks that my daughter is a better patient than I am. <laughs> because, did you figure? You figured that? She quarantines me. I mean, I think she put a padlock on that door so I couldn't come out. Let me out! But she sprays Lysol everywhere I go. And wipes down things with Clorox, everything that I touch. She's a good mom. Well, in my time where I, I, I was laying down and, and just asking the Lord to kill me <laughs> because I wanted to die, he uh, spoke to me, and, and I want to continue our look on this idea of love. And again, you might be thinking it's some you know happy, joy, lucky kind of love, and it is. I mean, there's a part of love that we get to enjoy, but then there's a part of a love that's work, right? right. I mean, it's work. And uh, one of the things that I think is maybe missing in our church is this. A true, um, passionate, sacrificial love for one another. And I'm, I'm not saying that as a kind of a condemning kind of thing, but, but here's the truth. I think because we're so young and because we haven't had maybe time to develop some of those uh, love relationships with one another, I think it's lacking in our church. And again, it lends itself to a lot of reasons. I mean, we can make all excuses. But the truth is, it just depends upon us, right? It depends upon me asking you to go to lunch, or me asking you to come to the house, or me doing this, or you doing this, so that we can show people that we truly love one another. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, because I think it's, it's vital. I know it's vital. And not only for our church to grow, but for us to reach the unchurched Western culture. Okay? Just like we learned last week, if we don't love one another, then the church is useless to God. Did you get that? Without love, we are nothing. Without love, we gain nothing. We can have all these gifts. We can have the gift of a good praise band. We can have the gift of money. We can have a gift of an air-conditioned place to meet. We can have a gift of, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. But if we don't have love, we gain nothing. Okay? And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. And where do we look to learn how to love? Where do we look? Cowboys. <laughs> We don't look at Jesus, you spiritual religious people. No, I'm just kidding. We do look at Jesus, but here's the truth. We look at cowboys. I mean, we are a cowboy church. If you didn't realize that, we are a cowboy church. We like to do things a little western, like to have a little fun. Um, but we're a cowboy church. And, and one of the greatest movies that I've ever seen in my life is the movie Tombstone. Anybody seen the movie Tombstone? 1993, the year I graduated high school. The year you were born. That added one more gray hair. In the movie Tombstone, and I don't, I don't uh, encourage you to watch it um, on DVD. And, and I, I really don't. I mean, there's a lot of cussing in it. There's a lot of blood. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's, it's not a movie that you just kind of want to go, yeah, let's sit down as a family and watch this. It's probably not that kind of movie. 
But if you catch it on TV, it's probably got all the bad words linked out and all that stuff. And so catch the TV version, okay, of it. But it's one of my favorite movies, and it's about the Earth Brothers. Remember Wyatt and Virgil and Morgan? All those Earth Brothers, and they celebrate their life, and they talk about the, oh, the, the, the shootout at the OK Corral, or the gunfight at the OK Corral. But here's the truth. My favorite character is a character that Val Tilmer played, and what was his name? And Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday is the man. I, I, I don't know if there's a character that you admire in, in movies, but Doc, Doc, Doc Holliday was my favorite. Is there a picture of Doc Holliday? If you've never seen a movie, look at this picture. It's kind of blurry, but that's Doc Holliday. Val Kilmore. I mean, he does a great job. He's one of the best characters in all of movies. If you've ever, if you've never seen it, watch it. Um, but here's the truth. Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday had a great friendship. I mean, they had a great friendship. I admired their friendship. I mean, here you got Wyatt Earp, a marshal, a, a lawman, I mean, a, 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 a professional gambler or whatever. I mean, he's, he's kind of the, the white, even though he wore dark all of his life, or black, he's kind of the white um, collar kind of guy, or the, 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 the good guy, right? Then you've got Dr. Holliday, who's a jerk, who likes to gamble and cheat everybody, and who's a womanizer. <laughs> great friends, right? Anybody got one like that? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few. You want me to point them out? <laughs> but here's the truth. I, I admire their friendship. I like it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a guy, and I always say this, but I, and I kind of hopefully grown out of a little of this as I'm sure. But I like a, a friendship with a little edge on it. I like, to have, I like to have a friend that likes to walk the line sometimes. I like, I like a friend that likes to challenge you and dare you to do some things, and I swear my wife every time I tell these stories. But, but I like that. I like the edge that Doc has. And he would be kind of guy that I kind of want to run with every now and then. I mean, he and, he and Wyatt, they, they had fun together, but they also fought t- together, right? I mean, any time Wyatt was in a fight, guess he was there? Doc. Anytime Doc was in a fight, guess who was there? Wyatt. I mean, they just had a great friendship. And well, here's, here's, the, here's the, um, one of the greatest ways that they showed their love for one another. And it comes in a scene, one of the most infamous scenes in the whole movie. Um, Johnny Ringo, the second in command to the Cowboys, which is the outlaw gang, and the fastest gun in the West, challenges Wyatt Earp to a duel. Remember this? Challenges Wyatt Earp to a duel. I mean, he wants blood. Johnny Ringo wants blood. Well, ends up, Wyatt goes to Doc Holliday's deathbed. Remember this? Doc Holliday's on his deathbed, supposedly, and he's dying, and they have this heart-to-heart conversation like only cowboys can have. Doc tells him that he loves him, you know, kind of in that roundabout way, and Wyatt says, I love you too, in kind of a roundabout way, only like cowboys can do. And, and here's Wyatt thinking Doc is on his deathbed, but the truth is, that Doc's not on his deathbed. The duel has, has, has happened. I mean, the duel, those, the challenges happen, and guess what? Doc gets out of his deathbed, and he goes to the duel before Wyatt ever gets there. He gets there, and Johnny Ringo's there, waiting on what he thinks is Wyatt, right? Johnny Ringo comes up, and he says, I didn't think you had it in you. And then what does... Doc Holliday say, he says the most famous words in the whole movie, what are they? That's right. 
He looks at Johnny Ringo, and, and, and I'll never forget it because he kind of has his hat down and, and it's kind of smoky, yeah, and, and he's, he's looking down and Johnny walks up and he doesn't know it's why, and, 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 and Doc Holliday looks up a little bit and goes, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> and then what does Johnny Ringo do? Johnny Ringo starts backing up, and he, no, 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 this, this fight isn't with you. And, and, and Doc's like, I beg to differ. I, you remember, we started a game we never got to finish. Remember those lines? And uh, playing for blood, which Ringo obviously is intimidating me, replies, well, I was just fooling about. Remember that? Doc says, well, I wasn't. And then Johnny Ringo looks at Doc because he's an outlaw, because he probably had a little edge to him as well. And he says, all right, Lunger. Remember, he called him a Lunger because he had tuberculosis. And he goes, all right, Lunger, let's do it. You remember that? I mean, that, that's one of those chilling points. And then they begin to back up, don't they? I mean, they begin to back up in a circle. And I'll never forget it, because I just watched it the other day. <laughs> I'll never forget it, but John, you know, Doc's sitting there, and he's got this, you know, remember his finger? He's got it on his, his little bone tooth, you know, pistol, and he's kind of flicking his finger, and they roll to his eyes, and then they roll to his mouth, and then what does he say? Say when. <laughs> And then what does Johnny Ringo do? He pulls his gun, Doc pulls his gun, Doc shoots him right in the temple, right in the right side of his temple and kills him dead. Just about that time, Wyatt shows up and he realizes that, that Doc Holliday has just saved his life. See, Doc Holliday knew that he couldn't, he couldn't outmatch Johnny Ringo. So what did Doc do? Doc stepped in and he fought for Wyatt. Here's the two things that I want you to learn from this story. Get these things. What it means to me to be a huckleberry, okay? The first thing is, is this. By stepping in, taking Wyatt's place in the duel, Doc was saying to Johnny Ringo, which was the enemy, you want to fight? I'm your man. You got to beef with him? You got to beef with me. That's what it means to be a huckleberry. The second thing is this. Doc showed Wyatt what a true friendship looks like by laying by being willing to lay down his life for his friend. You get it? Those are the two things about what I think what it means to be a huckleberry. I want you to look at a scripture with me real quick. John 15, 12 and, uh, through 14. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15. How many of you guys got a red Bible with you today? Everybody! Woohoo! My sorry joke worked. It only took a week. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, says this. Jesus is speaking, and, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says this. My command is this. Love each other as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for this morning. We thank you for each person that's here, Lord. They're not here by accident. They're here because you have called them to be here. And Lord, today, may you show us what it truly looks like to be a Huckleberry. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would just speak powerfully to our hearts today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. 
Listen, if we're going to be a friend of Christ, if we're going to be truly friends to one another and love one another, number one is this. We have to be a huckleberry for others. We have to be a huckleberry for others. Look at verse 12. It says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Again, Jesus is talking to, to, to the disciples. And we, he is commanding them, and we are commanded to, to do this as well. To love others as Christ loves us. And you say, well, how did Jesus show us that he loved us? How did he show us that he truly loved us? Here's the truth, by being our huckleberry. Think about it. I mean, here you got, you got Satan. Satan has defeated Adam and Eve in the garden in the beginning. You can read about it in the book of Genesis. And sin entered into the world. But Jesus shows up and he says, I'm the huckleberry. You want to fight? Bring it on. That's what Jesus did. And you say, well, how did he do that? Because he defeated Satan, the Johnny Ringo of this world. And you say, how did he do it? He laid his life down. For you and for me. Look at Romans uh, 5, verses 6, 6 through 8. It says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the what? Can you say it a little bit louder? Ungodly. I try to point those things out because I think a lot of times he, he, we think he dies for only the perfect people. You know who he died for? He died for me. I'm ungodly. At just the right time, when he, we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You say, how did he show us that he was our huckleberry? He died on the cross for our sins. He defeated the enemy. He defeated the giant Ringo of this world by overcoming sin. Sin does not have a hold on our lives. Do you realize that? It doesn't. You say, well, I sin all the time. What's going on? We are going to battle with sin. But we can overcome sin because Jesus was our public. You may be here today and you may be thinking, well, no, I, I don't believe this. Jesus guy really died for me. Guess what? He did. You may think, you know, you may be here today, you may be thinking, well, God is just mad at me. I mean, God's mad at me. Can I just tell you the truth? If you feel like God's mad at you because of the things that you've done, here's the truth. God is mad about you. Let that sink in. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's so in love with you that he's, God is so in love with you that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for yours and for my sins. You want to tell me he's mad at you? Why would he, I mean, why would he send his son to die for you? Because he loved you. Because he's mad about you. And he showed it by laying down his life for you and for me. And here's the truth. Get this. Listen to this. We are going to... We have to show that same kind of love. That's what we're called to do. Look at verse 13. Greater has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Greater has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And you may be asking, well, what do you mean? What do you mean I've got to lay down my life? You mean I've got to die? 
And the truth is, probably not. I mean, probably not that you're going to be called to die for any one of your friends. But here's the truth. You need to be willing. I look at some of you guys and I think, would you be willing to die for some of your friends? I look at my, my own life and I say, well, would I be willing to die for some of my friends? Listen, not Holiday didn't have to die, but at least he was willing. At least he showed up for the fight. My dad, and I don't tell this story in, in life, but my dad <clears throat> had some friends in, in high school that liked to fight. Anybody know my dad? Raise your hand if you know my dad. Some of you guys know my dad. My dad, he's a gentle guy, doesn't say much, but he has the little edge to him. And I like that. My dad wasn't much on um, fighting sober, but when he got drunk every now and then, he liked to fight. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hand, I'm sorry. <laughs> but my dad, he, one night, he and his buddies, and uh, some of you guys might know his buddies, so I won't say their names very loud. Uh, anybody know Mike Bassett? Anybody Mike Bassett? Yeah, my dad, front of buddy, Mike Bassett. Um, and a couple other guys. Well, anyways, they go. They decide that they're going to go to um, Alba and pick some fights with some college guys, right? My dad's in high school. They get to they, they get to, to Alba one of these nights, and they get there, and my dad, and again, maybe they've had too many, um, but he gets there, and he they find these guys, and they, they all want to fight, and they want to get it on, and my dad is the only guy who got out of the car. That night, my dad got his jaw broke because one of the college students pulled out some brass knuckles and broke his jaw. Had to have his jaw wired shut and had to suck a hamburger through a straw because he had to blend it in the blender. Listen, my dad's friends sold him out. I mean, they're in the car party peeing their pants. My dad's out there getting his face pummeled. Listen, are you that kind of friend? That's going to just stand by and let the other friends just face the enemy, just face the fight by themselves? Are you the kind of friend that's going to step up and say, I'm your Huckleberry. you got to beef with him. you got to beef with me. Think about it. And I'm not, can I just be clear about this, all you teenagers? I'm not condoning fighting. Because I know all the teenagers are like, yes, the preacher likes to fight. That means I get to fight. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you get to fight. Back in the day when I fought, it was a punch and a punch in like 30 seconds and it was over. Nowadays they pull guns and you die. So don't be fighting. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. When it comes spiritually, when it comes emotionally, when it comes physically, when it comes to, to doing something that shows love for one another, we've got to step up. We've got to be a huckleberry for others. Listen, and I'm not talking about fighting the devil's way. I'm talking about fighting Christ's way. Right? Some of us are coward, cowards and we don't even want to fight God's way. Because we're scared. Listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to be scared. You get it? And can I just say this? This type of love isn't, again, only dying for your friends. Listen, it can be a sacrificial love. How many of you guys have sacrificed something for your brother lately? Or for your sister lately? It's a giving love. It's a selfless love. It's an available love. That's the one that gets us all the time, is it not? The one that's not available. I love my friends that are available. And I know a lot of times our jobs don't allow us to be available. And I'm not you know, saying quit your job so you can be available. 
Listen, we, but when we do have opportunities to be available, we need to be available. That's what it looks like to be a huckleberry for our friends. And can I just throw this in because I feel like I need to hear it? Being a huckleberry for others starts with your own family. Can I tell you what I tend to do sometimes? I tend to want to fight for you, and I neglect my family. I tend to want to, to want to lay down my life for each of you, and I neglect my family. Anybody honest enough to say, you know what, I put my friends at work before I put my family sometimes? Anybody? Anybody want to say, I put my mom or my dad before my husband sometimes? Or my wife? Yeah. Listen, it starts by your, with your family. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just uh, rest on everybody else. It rests on your family. Here's the truth. If I don't fight for my family, if I'm not willing to lay down my life for my wife and my kids, I'm nobody's huckleberry. Listen to second, or 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Big words. Did you catch that? Again, all the time, we, we want to think, well, i got to go do this. I mean, the boss is calling. I mean, and sometimes you do. I'm not saying you don't. <clears throat> Here's the truth. It has to be a balanced love. Think about it. I, I think about my own profession. I, I, I know that there's going to be times in my life as a preacher that we're going to be stretched as a family. It's one of the greatest things that my wife handles very well. When I'm stretched, she handles it pretty well. When I get called in the middle of the night, she handles it pretty well. There are going to be times where we're stretched as a family. Maybe in your job, it's the same way. You might get that call and you're stretched. But listen, here's the truth about that. If it happens all the time and your family's getting the brunt of it, guess what? Something needs to change. For the sake and the love of your family. And you say, well, i got to provide for them. Again, I, I think we've got this idea of, well, if we don't drive new vehicles, we don't have a nice house, we don't have the latest toys, then we're not providing. That's not the truth. I mean, I can, I can, we can live in a small house, we can drive a used car, and we can still have a love relationship that, that, that is great. Amen? I mean, think about it. And I know some of you guys are like, it's the only job I can find. Stick with it. I mean, seriously, that shows your family that you love them as well. But listen, you may be in prayer every night. God, show me if I'm neglecting my family. Show me if I'm not a huckleberry for my wife. Show me if I'm not a huckleberry for my husband. Show me. Give me the visual, the, the eyesight to see it before everything breaks loose. It's one of the greatest tragedies that's happening in our lives today is our families are getting neglected. And our kids especially. Listen, love for your family comes First. So number one, we have to be a huckleberry for others. And number two is this, and I've only got two points today. Number two is this, we have to be a huckleberry for Christ. We have to be a huckleberry for Christ. You may be thinking, well, I thought you said Christ was our huckleberry. And He is. He died. He fought the enemy. He was a conqueror over sin. But here's the truth. He expects that same kind of friendship out of us. He laid his life down for you. And he expects you to lay your life down for him. Look at verse 14. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. 
You're my friends if you do what I command. Listen, to be a huckleberry for Christ, to be a friend of Christ, is to be a friend that is obedient. Get this. Listen. What did the verse just say? You are my friends. Jesus is talking here. And he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. In other words, he's saying, you're my huckleberry friend if you do what I ask. And, and a lot of people that have come to me, they go, you mean i got to change my life? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you mean God wants more out of me than, than, than he's getting? Yes. You mean it's going to take sacrifice? Yes. You mean i got to obey his word? Yes. That's, that's what it means. That's, the, that's what it means to be a huckleberry for Christ. Listen, and you say, well, what's the, what commands am I to obey? All of them. All of them. And you say, well, what's the greatest command that he's given us? It goes right back to what our topic is. Look at it. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Hang on these two commands. You say, what does it mean to be a huckleberry for Christ? It means that we obey His commands. You get it? And so here's the, here's the question that I want to leave you with. Are you a huckleberry for me? Are you a huckleberry for others? And are you a huckleberry for Christ? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I want you to get honest with yourself. In this moment of, of silence, of just a guitar playing, I want you to get honest with yourselves. Are you too busy and too involved in other things that you've neglected loving others? And some of you, you don't have control of your lives. I mean, your job pretty much controls your life. Is that job the job that God wants you to have? Or are you just chasing the American dream? Could God change your job so that you could love your family and so that you could love others? Just ask him. Again, I'm not telling you to do that. Don't, don't listen to me and, and think that I'm telling you to do that. Pray about it. Pray about it. Say, God, if it's your will for me to change jobs so that I can show others love, so that I can leave this world knowing that I love my family with everything that I had, that I was a huckleberry for my wife, change my job. Just maybe that needs to be your prayer. Can I just tell you a little secret? I mean, and again, maybe this is obvious to you, maybe it's not. The preacher can't love everybody. 
I mean, sure, I'm going to show you love if you are, you know, a friend or if you, you come to me, but I can't love everybody in this church. The Bible tells us to love one another. That means all of us are in this together. And if people are going to come to this church and be changed, it's going to be because, not because they connect with me necessarily, it's because they connect with you. It's because you extend that and stretch that wire that shows them love. So maybe you need to extend that love to someone, even today, before you leave. Maybe there's a couple that you see every Sunday and God has told you, you need to visit with that couple. You need to just introduce yourself. You need to invite them to lunch and buy them lunch. You need to call them up on Monday and say, hey, let's go get breakfast on Tuesday morning so that you can show each other love. You say, well, I don't have anybody doing that for me. You be that person for someone else. Again, it's called selfless love. It's called sacrificial love. And you say, well, i got so much stuff going on, I don't even have time for any of that. Again, what has God called you to do? He's called you to be obedient to His commands. And if you can't be obedient to His commands, something needs to change. You need to repent. You need to say, okay, God, forgive me for being too busy to reach out to people. Show me who you want me to love and give me the strength to do it. Maybe you're here today and you, you never experienced true love from, from the God of this universe. You're not a friend of Christ because you don't know him personally. Can I just tell you, he laid his life down so that you could have a personal relationship with him. So that your sin can be wiped away. So that all your past, all the shame, everything can be wiped away. And you can be called a friend of Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? It's simple. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And what that term saved means is you will come into a right relationship with Christ. That means he forgives you. It means that he's going to give you eternal life. It means that he's going to put the past in the past. It means that he's going to be your huckleberry. He's going to fight your fights. He's going to stand beside you so that you can love others. And so that you can obey. That's what it means. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you've not given your heart to Christ ever in your entire life and you want to do that. Listen, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Even in your chair right now, in your own heart, say, I confess you as my Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I thank you that you're my huckleberry. I thank you that you laid down your life for me. Now come into my heart and save me. Listen, if you did that, if you just prayed that in your heart, and you meant it, you're a, you're a friend of Christ. It's the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. And here's what we ask at Thousand Hills. We don't ask you to come to the front. We don't ask you anything really special. All we ask you to do is let us know. The enemy is still alive. He still wants to kick you in the teeth. He still wants to break your jaw. He pulls out the brass knuckles all the time and tries to punch you out. And unless you got somebody fighting with you, you're gonna get you're gonna get pummeled. 
And so let us help you. And here's how we do that. We just ask that you would fill out an orange sheet, place it in the offering bucket, and we, con- we will contact you. We'll pursue you so that you can have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you for those Christians that are huckleberries, those that, that lay down their lives for their friends all the time, that say to, to their wives, I'm going to be your huckleberry, babe. I'm gonna, or they say to their husbands, I'm going to be your huckleberry. I'm going to be on your side. I'm sick of fighting for everybody else, and I want to fight for you. Going to our kids and, 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 and saying, We're gonna, I'm going to be a huckleberry for you. I thank you for those that do that. Lord, help us to extend our love to others, just like you extended your love to us. Lord, today, as we leave this place, may you help us do that. And may we be obedient so that we can be called true friends of Christ. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you are a guest with us, we got a guest bag right outside for you. We'll hope you'll come visit us.